Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and this is episode number 72, Peering into 2023 with Kyle Bamberger. This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. Thanks, guys, for listening to another episode of the Filming with Josh podcast. If you are new to the podcast, Filming with Josh is your home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. This podcast covers all things video, whether it is storyboarding, lighting, sound design, talking about business contracts, you name it. We talk about it on this podcast. We also have a Facebook group called Filming with Josh. Be sure to go to Facebook, type in Filming with Josh and ask to join the group today. And on the Filming with Josh group, you can join about 700 something people where we chat about video on a weekly basis. I look forward to seeing you there. This week, I'm bringing back Kyle to the podcast. Kyle, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Uh, thanks for having me back on the podcast. Yeah, dude. Kyle, I see you have like uh, one, two, three, four, five. I see four full deer mounts and then the nose of a fifth one right behind you. Yeah, then there's a sixth one just oh, beyond gosh. that right next to me. I, I have one above me and then I have a bear, a full body amount of bear to my left, but you, you got me by deer by a mile. <laughs> I got three more of the taxidermists right now that I'm waiting oh, to get back. So <laughs> That's too much, man. Too much. Well, wait till you have kids and your hunting hunting time will decrease dramatically. <laughs> I, was like, I already got a nice wall. I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, there you go, man. Well, dude, so today Kyle and I want to talk about peering into 2023. And we're also going to kind of reflect back on 2022 some, but that was too long to put in the title. <laughs> so um, we kind of have like a, a list of questions that um, we kind of typed up and went through uh, yesterday. I have not seen what Kyle's responses are to these questions. He hasn't seen mine. So we'll dive into that here in a few minutes. But before we do that, Kyle, like, tell me like, what's been going on, man. Tell me about what you've been up to video wise and, and where you are right now. Yeah. So it's, it's honestly, it's been kind of weird because this at the end of probably November, December of 22, all the way into the beginning of January 23 here, we haven't been shooting a whole lot. It's been a lot of just like catching up on editing which has been a huge benefit actually because I feel like we had a huge backlog with how many projects we filmed throughout 22. I mean, I went from, I think it was a stint of like June to August. I was gone at least a minimum of two to three days a week, every single week through that all those months. And it was really, it was honestly really stressful because you couldn't get caught up on anything. And I know we've had this conversation before and, and we'll probably get into it again here, but like, having people to be able to work on projects while you're out in the field is, is clutch being able to, to grow and scale a business. And, and that's something that I really need to, to work more towards is, is having that, but I don't want to, I'm not going to steal any, any thunder here for any of our answers, but <laughs> it's been a, it's been, it was a really good 2022. Um, we, we filmed a ton. We went on a lot of fun projects. We shot at some really cool locations that I'm really, really thankful we had the opportunity to go to. Uh, worked on some fun commercial projects and some like short kind of mini docs, I guess you could call them. But overall, I mean, it was, it was a good 2022 going into 23 here. We, we have a lot of stuff on the books for this year and uh, got a couple projects I'm really excited about that hopefully come through. We should know more by mid-February on one of them. And that's kind of like the, the big one that we've been waiting to hear back on is, is this really large project that we're excited about. And, um, yeah, going into to 23, though, I'm, I'm super excited. It's just going to be a really good year. 
That's awesome, man. Are you, so you made the comment that you shot a bunch of stuff and then now you're kind of going through post work. What kind of turnaround times like do you give your clients for projects? Well, you know, I think it's always variable. There's never like a, I don't really ever have a set turnaround time that we have. Sure. And for most of the time, you know, it, it's it kind of is based on like if there is a, a due date or something from the client and when they're needing something by and we can kind of, you know, morph things into that and make it fit and work. But majority of the time it's, you know, I, I tell people again, like most of our work, we don't do a lot of like short short term, like really short commercial work where you go film a couple of days and you come back and, and you edit that. We don't do a lot of that. A lot of our stuff mm-hmm. is longer campaign work. And for us, I mean, it's not out of the ordinary to film, you know, 10 out of the 12 months for a project in order to complete it. And then after that, obviously you have a lot of assets to, to kind of dive into and go through. And when you have that many assets, it can take a long time. You know, I, sure. sometimes, sometimes two or three months that you're going through content editing and, and working with the client back and forth on on revisions and things but um if, if it were like a you know like we're working on a commercial project right now that we just shot last week in nebraska and we have another shoot here in iowa next week with that one it's probably going to be like four or five week turnaround time you know depending on what you know with revisions and everything because they have a they have an event actually in san antonio uh, they're going to be displaying the video at. So we have to have the one done regardless uh, by February 15th. So we'll be filming next week. So like late January. So probably like two or three weeks on the one video that we have there. But again, like the longer campaign work we filmed, um, we do a lot of agriculture work. So filming like planting, you know, crop growth, harvesting it, and then everything in between those stages you have almost a whole year of filming real, you know, realistically. Sure, yeah. And so those ones are obviously a little bit longer. And I mean, I, I wish we did more, honestly, I wish we did more commercial work where we could just, I call them, I call them turn and burn projects where you can kind of just film them, come back and edit them and you're kind of done with it. We do a lot more stuff. I mean, there's, there's a lot of money in campaign work and doing stuff long-term, but it's just, it drags out for a really long time and it's easy to get burned out on it. Sure. Yeah, I get that. I think I do a little bit of a mix of both, which is nice because I have I have some projects that I filmed starting back in like the spring of last year that we're still wrapping up. So I kind of get that. But at the same time, we also do a lot of, of, of like commercial work where we're shooting for a day, day and a half, and then we're turning the project out, you know, three weeks later, something like that. So that it's kind of nice to have a little bit of both. But um you have a lot more of the the campaign stuff, which is funny because I would like to get more of that, but it's just always uh, grass always greener on the other side, right? Absolutely. <laughs> well, dude, let's dive into some of these questions. So Kyle and I kind of put a list together of starting with looking back at 2022 and then looking forward to 2023. And we just thought it would be kind of fun to go through and kind of think about what we did last year and, and what we're looking to do this year. So I don't know about you, Kyle, but... I, we kind of talked off podcast, but it took me a, a little bit of time. I had to, some of it, you meant, you made the comment that you kind of were able to, to come up with some stuff pretty quick. And then you went back and had to like think on it a little bit more later on. I kind of did the same thing. I like had some things that came to mind and then I had some that I was like, yeah, I'm not sure what I would put there, <laughs> but um, I'm interested to see what some of your responses were. So the first one is I want Kyle, you to tell me, and then I'll go after you, but what are, what were your three fra- favorite projects from 2022? Okay, so we did a 
it might sound dull to people that aren't in the ag industry and, and the you know this kind of world, but we did a, a corporate shoot or a, a commercial shoot rather uh, for a client, and there was a new diesel fuel coming out, and it was like we had three days of shooting, and it was like we were like stacked in like fourteen hour days every single day, and at the time filming it, like it it was supposed to go into production earlier than what it did, but it went into production in like late December, early January. Uh, so late December of 21 and to January of 22. And then we ended up having to edit everything within like the next like five, six weeks. And we ended up turning out, I think, 18 videos out of those three days, which was crazy. But it's some of the, I, it wasn't necessarily like anything in particular, just I was really happy with how the edits turned out. And again, it was more commercial work that we didn't have to have something long term just kind of sitting around. Um, very, I mean, it was, it was just a lot of fun. So that was definitely number one for me. I, it was just a good project and I was really happy with how the edits turned out and, and this, the scale of it, um, was just, it was great. Everything about it was great. Uh, number two, we, we filmed out and we went to Colorado and we went on a, a ranch out there and it, I think it was 70,000 acres. And we were filming for the, the ranch and, and telling the story of, of the ranch and that kind of thing. And we were there for a week and we just got some of the, some of the best content that we've probably ever shot. And it, it just simply came down to location and time of day and like things just aligned really well. And we had probably the most fun I've had on a shoot in a very long time uh, in Colorado there on that shoot itself. That was so much fun. And then number three, it wasn't even a video, actually. It was a photo campaign, which was kind of a change of pace because we don't do a lot of photo campaigns. We do them occasionally. But the photo campaign was was great because we got to go out. I think we had six days of shooting photos, which we, I mean, I think we ended up over 20,000 images between the two of us in totality over the six days. But we turned out some fantastic photos. And it was, it was a really nice change of pace, especially on the post work. Because you can you can turn photos so much faster than coming up with a storyline for video, so that was really nice, and it was definitely one of my favorites that we had this year. That's awesome. So on the ranch, like, tell me a little bit more. Like, what was that? What was that project about exactly? So in this one here, we were talking about it was for a, a larger scale campaign, and we were kind of matching up um, dairy, so like dairy farms and and cattle farms, so like beef cattle. And we're, we're talking about animal welfare practices that the United States has versus the EU. And so we're kind of having that, that uh, comparison and contrast from the EU to the U.S. and trying to change the misconception in the EU uh, of what animal welfare is. And that was kind of what that project was about. So we got to we vetted a lot of people. Um, I, we had a list of, you know, working with a client, we probably had 20, 30, 20 or 30 people that we had to call and vet on the phone and talk to them and make sure they were, you know, up to the task of having the conversation about this. But we, we ended up on some, some really nice farms and ranches this year. And that was kind of a, a collective. That was just one of the, the three videos over the totality of what we did with this one client. And it was, it was a lot of fun because we got to, we learned a lot as well ourselves in the project. And you really got to see like the heart of you know, America's farms and ranches and, and what they're really about. You know, you get the misconception. I think even here we have the misconception that people think like, well, this is some big factory farm or this is something way bigger than a, a family, right? Well, they have 70,000 acres and it was a family 
husband and wife. They had three kids, and then he had a farmhand, you know, a ranch hand. So they had, you know, three people essentially. They would they would work seventy thousand acres, which sounds crazy, but you know, out out west, you need a lot more ground for cattle than you do sure. here in the Midwest. You know, because you got they don't have as much uh, to eat like we have here. That sounds like an awesome project, man. And being in Colorado on a ranch there, I mean, I'm sure there's probably not an ugly direction to point the camera. No, and, you know, the ranch was at like 9,500 feet in elevation. That's awesome. Um, And it was in in June, and it was crazy because we were staying in town, which was like, I mean, it took like an hour and 15 minutes to drive from town, and they were in the same, like, the same, like, city, so to speak. Um, And it would take an hour and 15 minutes to drive up there, and the temperature change, it was like 97 degrees in town. And you'd get up there, and it was 72 degrees almost every That's single awesome. day. So it was great weather. Yeah, it wasn't. there wasn't a bad direction to point the camera. I do, mean, do you know what part of Colorado it was? Yeah, it was just outside Canyon City. Okay. That's awesome, man. That sounds like a really, really cool project. I think that for me, I... Uh, I love like going on big ranches like that. I've done some here in Texas and Oklahoma, but they're obviously different than what like it would be in Colorado. So that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was oh, a good man. one. It was, it was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun. So I'll give you my three favorites. One of mine is uh, Greystone Castle Outfitter Marketing Project, which was like uh, a thirteen-day photo video shoot. I had a lot of fun with that. We did five videos for a new website launch that were about. One about bird hunting, one about whitetail hunting, one about exotic hunting, one about sporting clays, and one about trophy fishing. And then we did a brand video that we just submitted uh, this week, the rough draft for, and that's like uh, about all five of the, basically all the things I just said are all in one video. And then also it shows like the lodge, which is a castle. So that's kind of cool and voiceover driven, but it was like a lot lot of fun because got to be around a lot of really neat people and be on a really cool ranch, you know, and get to do some hunting and fishing stuff and it was all marketing content. So it's right up my alley. Second one would be the alpha Chi Delta 2022 recruitment video. That was a blast. That was a sorority video. Um, some of you listening to the podcast might've seen that. Um, what I liked about that, it was like a two day shoot, but it was, uh, outside my, my comfort zone. It was a different style of shooting than I normally would do. A lot of gimbal work. Um, a lot more gimbal than I normally do in my work and, uh, kind of, a lot of really unique lighting situations and court a lot of coordinating to pull it off but it was just a little bit different than my normal style of video it felt more like a music video and it's kind of fun just because it kind of made me step outside my comfort zone so that's kind of something i really liked last year it kind of made me think think a little differently um and then the third one would be it's kind of a boring one but it's the sam mergers and acquisitions video project so sam is my uh, one of my largest clients there at engineering geospatial engineering firm and we did a mergers and acquisitions video all it was was just a single day of filming i think we did eight interviews eight interviews maybe and uh two eight two camera interviews but it was like a 16 or 18 hour day and what i loved about it was just the the different complex lighting setups we had it was just a lot of fun i know it was just an interview video series and it was a lot of post editing because we had like hours and hours of content to make these videos but but the filming aspect of like just approaching each interview and having to really think about the lighting because we rented out the Women's Junior League Center in Austin, paid a lot of money to rent this whole building out for the day. And it was just our us in a building and a state and a set designer. And it was like, how are we going to light and 
and set each and every interview up. And I don't know, it was just a lot of fun. I know it sounds kind of boring because it's just interviews, but it was just the way we approached it was a lot of fun. But that was kind of my uh, my three that kind of stick out to me the most for, for last year. So did they stick out to you because you really liked the edit or because you liked to shoot more? I, I think, I think a little, a little of both, but mainly the shoots, honestly, I think for like Greystone, I just enjoyed being out, staying at the castle, eating great food and, and being around hunting and fishing all day. Like you can't beat that. I mean, that was fun. The, the recruitment video, I just enjoyed, I enjoy, I enjoy the edit, but I really enjoyed just like thinking every day about how we were going to approach each shot because it was completely scripted, but all the shots had to have unique transitions and things. And just like, I don't know, just having to think through that. And the same thing with the M and a video project, just being on set with my production assistant and, and figuring out, man, okay, we're this, every room is different. Like, how are we going to light this room, motivate each and every, sh- each and every light that we use and make sure they're all consistent and, and how are we going to put the negative fill in there and like just spending like out like two hours per setup for eight different setups so 16 hours of setup time in one day you know it's just like i don't know that was fun to me sounds like a lot of work to a lot of people i'm sure but to me it was just like a lot of fun yeah it's interesting because i think a couple of mine um i I think like the the colorado one for me was definitely the shoot is what made it a good one uh, and we're still like we're still in process with the client working back and forth on revisions for the edits and things right now on that one. But uh, the the diesel fuel one, that one for me was was definitely the edits, not the shoot. And then the photo campaign stuff was great because we the the specific campaign that we're working on, it's going to be a 12 month campaign for photos, and so we're going okay. out probably two to three times a month. And I, I really do enjoy the shoots, but the edits are also great. So I think it's equal on that one. But for me, sometimes it's the edit. Sometimes it's the shoot. There really isn't like a, a reason why I like one more than the other, but I think each one, like you said, it, it, sometimes it sounds boring, but you, you really like how either the edit turns out or sometimes it's the shoot, you know, there, it just depends on, you know, what the experience was on each location, I guess. Yeah. I think for me, I just, I like, uh, I like having to work. I like having to work through stuff. What, what gets boring to me is, monotonous shoots, man. I, I just can't stand like doing the same thing every time. I like being able to tackle each and every project and being able to think about, man, like this is a different room or it's a different different person or it's a different story. Like how am I going to tackle this particular project? That's what excites me about video more than anything. So if a project a project that's memorable to me is one that forces me to to really think through it, if that makes sense. Sure. And it's funny, I tell people all the time you know, it, I, I compare, like, if you are on location shooting, I say that, like, video production, and I'm probably going to catch flack for this, but video production, in a way, is kind of like being an engineer, because you're, you have to be a problem solver. You yeah, have to figure out do. how to solve different problems. And I understand, like, and I come from an engineering background, so I, <laughs> like, I don't know, I'm, I'm technical as well as, as creative, and probably more so on the technical side than I am super creative. If you look at the scale of like the broad scale of people that are super creative and super technical, I'm probably somewhere in the middle of there. But um, I think there's just so much problem solving you have to do on set and how to figure out like you, you run into like complex lighting problems that you have to fix or whether that's reflections. Mm. This is you know speaking in to like interviews and things like that or Maybe you're trying to film something new that you've never filmed before and you got to figure out how to do it in a unique way 
that gives you the best footage possible. I mean, there's always a different way you have to problem solve, but I do enjoy that process of trying to solve the problem. Yeah, I think the problem solving aspect is a large part of what has attracted me to video to begin with. So on the next set of questions, what were your three favorite gear purchases from 2022? Uh, so this one came in late in 22 because of the uh, just lack of supply, but the Sony FX6. Yeah, I figured you'd say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fantastic camera. Uh, love it, love it, love it. I rented it uh, prior to this, and I used it on a couple different sets. My buddy had one that had an agency had one locally here, and he used it on set a couple different times, and we were on set together, and I got to kind of mess with it there. And, you know, I come from, like, we had two FS7s and an FS5, FS5 Mark II, so, like, coming from that background, like, feels feel right back at home again. Uh, which has been great. So I, I really do like the FX6. That was probably number one for me. Um, number two, these were all kind of late in the year, but this was probably in like September-ish time frame. But I picked up the Tamron 35 to 150. Yeah. And it has been like, it's just been such a blessing for me because like I use it on a lot of shoots because of just the the versatility of it. But it's been super great because I'll take it like when we go on like hunts or things like that. Like I don't film hunts anymore, but when we go on hunts and things, I take that lens with me. It's a perfect lens because it's f2 to f2.8. Um, it's a you know it's a fast lens and it's really versatile and it can really it can it's not the best at every category, but it's just a solid performer across the board. So that one's been a it's been really nice to have that lens. I I loved having it. It's probably I don't know it's right below the FX6 to being really close to the top one for me just because of how much it's unlocked. Like when I take my dog hunting and I take photos after success, you know, when we go on bird hunts and stuff, like sometimes I want a tighter shot. Sometimes you want a wider shot. It just depends on what you're looking for. And just that yeah, lens it, gives you it everything. It truly is like the only lens I've ever worked with that you can honestly do a whole project on if you had to. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the 24 to 70 comes really close to that, but having the you know, from 70 to 150 and this in it's one huge. lens, it's, it's amazing. You know, I, but without I sacrificing shoot. your aperture, that's the biggest thing is you're not sacrificing your aperture. Correct. You know, so I can shoot on, like I have the Sony GM 16 to 35, two, eight lens. I can get from 16 to 150 all within two, eight. Yeah. And that will huge. get you, that can get you through a lot in a project. I mean, you can, yeah. you can shoot almost entire projects on those two lenses if you wanted to. I mean, we use faster primes and things like that for certain scenarios. You know, it's nice to have a, a prime lens on a gimbal when you want it and that kind of thing. And we'll do that occasionally. But the 35 to 150 is just a great all around solid performer across the board. And then it being is. able to like uh, go into the programming of the actual lens and like changing things is fantastic. So yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a huge purchase for me. And then, the biggest one, one of the largest purchases uh, was we got the OWC Thunder Bay 8 mm-hmm. and loaded up with 160 terabytes of storage in RAID 5. And that has been incredible because yep. now now we have location where we can store, in RAID 5 I still get 140 terabytes, but now I can store a ton of footage in one place instead of doing like, eight or 10 terabyte drives and having a and B versions and then storing them. And then like having, when you want to come back and find something from, you know, a shoot, like when we filmed with the, uh, the diesel fuel one that I was talking about, when we did that film, we had to, we had to go back to a shoot that was like a year and a half prior to that with that same mm-hmm. client. And going back to that, I would have had to go to another hard drive. 
And I was like, I am so glad, you know, that I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to go back to old hard drives. Now we just have everything on this one. I mean, we're, we're probably going to be close to 110-ish terabytes probably. So this one's going to fill up pretty quick. But, you know, now we can we can daisy chain multiple uh, together. Mm-hmm. So this has been a huge, huge lifesaver and time saver when it comes to having everything collectively all together in one location. Yeah, that's I'm going to mention that when we get into the 2023 stuff. So I won't go like too much into that yet. But yeah, that is a uh, let's just say I totally understand where you're coming from. And we'll we'll talk. I'll talk about that from my perspective when we get there. But um, that's that's probably, in my opinion, one of your biggest purchases last year, because it genuinely is a game changer for your workflow. Agreed. Yeah, it's it's saved so much time in post that I can't even describe to you how much faster things can be when you have everything together and in one collective drive like that. Yeah, those are usually not like the sexiest purchases, but honestly, they end up being probably the best ones. When you can when you can impact your workflow and impact the amount of time you spend on something, then that's a, that's a really really solid purchase. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. It's it's been a it's it's a it's a game changer. If you don't, if this is just to go out to anyone else, if you don't have it, I'm sure we'll get to this later. But if you don't have uh, a collection where you can store everything together like this, you know and, and we do have backups. I'm sure people are going to say you don't have a backup because uh, my business partner and I, we each have them in our own locations, which are great. Because, so we don't have to like store it somewhere else. And I mean, ideally, everything would be on the cloud, too. But when you get into hundreds of terabytes, it's kind of hard to to do all that. 100 percent, dude. So I guess my three would be I had to really think about this because there, there are a few items I wanted to put in here. But since we were only doing three, I left them all out. But the three that really stick out to me the most, number one is the MacBook Pro M1 Max plus, I put plus accessories because that includes, when I bought it, I bought the 27-inch monitor for it and I bought, um, that was the studio display and then I bought a new set of headphones and a new uh, 16 terabyte uh, SSD RAID drive. So different than what you just talked about because this is an SSD RAID drive. This one's built more for editing, pure speed, not storage. And so that whole system, I would say, is my number one purchase last year. Uh, probably my most expensive purchase, but it was a game changer for me coming from computers that were seven, eight years old and just couldn't quite, quite keep up to where I am today to be able to get something that could replace both my desktop and my laptop and be a desktop at home, but then I can unplug it and then take it with me on the road and it turns into just a portable editing bay on the road. Like, that's huge. And to be able to have this RAID this RAID Zero SSD RAID drive that's just like crazy fast. That's been a huge, huge game changer for me this year or last year. And and uh, I would say that's my, my number one purchase that sticks out at me because it, it completely affected my business and my ability to get things done. Um, next would be my small HD Cine 5 and ND5 monitors. Love those. Those are, uh, kind of, you mentioned late in the game, the Cine 5 and ND5 I got like right at the end of the year. Um, but I really like them a lot. I'm a big small HD fan, always have been, and these are brighter and better built with more ports than any small HD monitor I've ever owned. And I love EL Zone. If you've never looked at EL Zone, Google it. It's amazing, and these monitors have it. So that's number two. And then number three is kind of boring, but it's my diamond Diamondback truck bed cover that I got in the beginning of the year last year, and that 
has been an absolute genuine lifesaver for me because I have been able to just lock my, like load up my truck the night before a shoot and lock it up. Whereas in the past, I would have to get up like really early in the morning and load my truck and play Tetris in the dark so that I can get everything fit in my truck and then go to a shoot. And then at the shoot, always be worried that someone's going to steal my stuff out of my truck. And then when I get home from the shoot, have to unload it immediately so I don't leave it in my truck overnight. And if I was at a hotel, I'd have to drag everything up into my hotel room and then bring it back down the next morning. And that you're talking just so much wasted time and effort and energy. Now I don't have to do any of that. I load up my truck the night before, lock it up, go on my shoot, come back. I can unload it two or three days later if I want. If I'm going to a hotel, just leave it in the bed, not worried about it because it's like really hard to break into it. And it's completely weather sealed. I've driven mine through a car wash several times to test it. No water got inside. So it's that's been an actual genuine game changer for me, allowing me to lock stuff up in my truck and be able to just always have stuff back there. I keep my C-stands back there like all the time. I never take them out because the, the bag, the case they're in weighs like 150 pounds. So I just leave it in there anyway. But uh, just to be able to like leave some lights and gear back there and never even remove it from the truck has also been like really nice. So that would be my, my last one. You know, let's talk about that for a second because I feel okay. like that is such a such a problem is like being always fearful and you know luckily i don't we don't work in like la and places like that i mean Mm -hmm. i say luckily but there's a lot of theft that happens there i -hmm. mean quite frankly and that's i mean it's not typically something when you know we we work a lot in like small town america and, and little little tiny like it's the only hotel around but I can't stand, like, this is, like, a fear that I have. I don't like, like, driving my truck with a different state of plates and you're staying at a hotel. Like, I feel like it just invites people. And the other sure. thing I can't stand is when people watch you unload gear out of the truck yep. and, like, push it they into your hotel you room. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's like, yeah, what else is that. in that truck? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I agree with you there. Like, having have, being able to lock it up in the back is fantastic. And, see, I don't have a, I don't have a diamond back, but mine has an aluminum... So I have like a soft tunnel cover with an aluminum bottom so I can actually walk on top of my tunnel cover, which is nice. And I mean, you could break into it. You could cut through aluminum. You'd have to have a grinder or something, but it does lock, which is nice. But I have a dog kennel, like when I put my dog in the back and it wouldn't fit with a Diamondback. I've done photo work for Diamondback before and I really like their covers. They're fantastic covers. I wish it worked out better for me, but I don't want to have to like during hunting season, have to remove it, put it back on, remove it, put it back on. It's just kind of a hassle because there's so much that goes into putting it onto the truck Yeah, versus versus what I have now. Yeah, they definitely, so they advertise it as like easy to take off and put on. And I'm like, yeah, it took me a while to put this on. I'm not, it's not coming off. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. But I do, I like Diamondback. The reason why I went with them is because, so I got the HD version, the heavy duty one. So you can put 1600 pounds on it, which is a lot. I mean, you can park four wheeler on it. I've moved furniture on top of it. Um, I, I've, I put kayaks on top of it. So I really like that. And, and, and it also makes me feel like it's even tougher and harder to break into because of that. And, you know, it's rhino lined on top of that. So it's just got, man, it's just got a lot of strength and you, but at the end of the day, like you could break into anything. If someone really wants to get in there, they will, or they could just steal your truck. I mean, I have a friend this past week who had their truck stolen. It happens. Right. Mm-hmm. But 
like you, there's nothing you could ever do. Even if your stuff's at home, there's nothing you could ever do to be a hundred percent safe. It's just all about putting as many different measures in, in, and many precautions as you can to further make it harder or to make people have to think like, ah, oh, gosh, do I really want to have to break into that? I mean, it's breaking into a window is way different than like breaking into even your bed cover. So it's, it's just more about like putting it out of sight, out of mind. I agree hundred percent. I mean, if people are going to get in, they're going to get in. Right. But my my policy or what I always say is like I just try to keep the honest people honest. Right. There you go. Like if if they're gonna do it, they're gonna do it. You know, if if they're gonna break in, they're gonna break in. There's nothing you can do to stop it. But if I can if I can take precautions that are necessary to keep people from breaking into something, I will, you know, as much mm-hmm. as I can within reason. And I feel like I've done a, a pretty good job with that with my truck. But the other thing is, is like I don't leave anything. The only things I ever leave in the bed, like in a hotel, would be like lights or C-stands or like a tripod, all things that I could do without, if somebody did steal it, I could continue the production tomorrow. I mean, it, I would have to make some changes, obviously, without lights or C-stands mm-hmm. or tripods. You have to make some changes, but it's possible. You could do without those things, you know what I mean? I mean, it would be hard to break in, but again, if you're going to break in, you're going to break in. There's nothing you can do about it. But I, yeah. I, I still I still haul in a lot of stuff because like cameras, chargers you know like all the stuff so i have several bags that i take in with me into a hotel at night but i don't bring everything in now i mean i used to do the same thing you did i would take everything because i just had like a soft tunnel cover i'm like somebody could just cut this with a knife and you could take mm-hmm. whatever you wanted out of it so same as you though i used to carry everything in it would take like yeah. three or four of the carts you know like trucking stuff in and most of the places we stay in small towns don't have elevators and it never fails we're always on the second floor always <laughs> and so you gotta like you just wheel your little cart to the bottom of the stairs and you're like if you're alone like doing a one-man band kind of shoot you're like oh well i, I hopefully nobody's gonna steal anything while i'm in, like in shuffle yeah. here going up up and down stairs that kind of thing yeah yeah not fun not fun man fortunately uh with my bed cover i feel safe enough that only thing i take out now is like my laptop bag which has my hard drives my laptop and my two a1s and my lenses in it um i just grab that one backpack bring it in and then everything else i leave back there if someone's listening to this podcast can now break in my truck because i said this or steal <laughs> it but <laughs> so next is what are three lessons you learned in 2022 uh so i did l- i learned this throughout 2022 and that's kind of what inevitably led to some purchases or business decisions throughout the year but number one was like just trying to streamline the workflow like figuring out a, a way to become faster and, and better and more efficient at, at the workflow of what we do. And really at kind of at the heart of that was in the post-production realm of things. And that's kind of what led to the, the OWC Thunder Bay for me was like, we need to simplify this solution because backing it up was terrible. And then having it in two different locations is, I mean, it's great. But like when you, when you have like duplicate drives and like well, we, we added one thing to this and the other one's at his house. Like, well, we got to go get that other drive and, and mirror this one again. Like, yeah, that yeah, just yeah. became that an absolute. I mean, it was just not not efficient whatsoever. So yep. now that now we're, we're both going to have, it won't be an OWC one. It'll be a different rate array at, at Adam's location. But like with this um, this drive system, we'll be able to, we have duplicate drives that we bring home. And then when he goes home, he dumps on his, I dump on mine, and then they're matching. And the only thing that is missing or different will be the Premiere project. Uh, we'll talk about that later, but uh, I, we just upload that to like a Dropbox file so we can collectively have the same file there. And other than that, like it's super simple now. It, and that is like, 
is paid dividends for us to be able to have a streamlined workflow. So I'm really, really excited about that. Um, yeah, that's that was, huge, man. Having that is really important. I agree. I mean, with yeah. without a streamlined workflow, and, and there's still a lot of things that I'm working on, and that'll be kind of you know into the things I want to learn or business goals I have for 23, but we'll get to that later. You know, that's definitely one thing would be even more so I want to streamline the workflow from what I already have done and what I've accomplished so far. I, I don't think, you know, if you're going to be stagnant, if you're not growing, you're stagnant in business, right? And so, like, we need to continue to grow yeah. and, and evolve and, and get better at things. So that would be number one was, like, I, I learned that, like, the workflow we had wasn't streamlined whatsoever. We needed to get it more efficient. And I feel like we've done a pretty good job. But, again, there's still a lot of work yet to do. Um, number two was we, I feel like I learned a lot more in 2022 about different lighting techniques, uh, and just, again, like problem solving and how to, how to light different scenarios when you find yourself in there. I spent a lot of time earlier in the year, uh, from like January to March, just like learning a lot about, you know, if you're going to be shooting outside in the sun, like how can we diffuse the light, balance it, still giving some negative fill and giving shape to the face and, those kind of things. I feel like we've learned a lot about that uh, collectively. And then again, for like a lot of interview scenarios, I feel like I've learned a lot more about how to light rooms differently. And, you know, there's, there's still things to learn and still things I want to change. And, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in your shoes. I don't have a pretty much a whole grip truck, but um, <laughs> there, I definitely feel like there are things that I could improve upon if I had more lighting. And again, that's probably going to come down to the 2023 things, but you know, like lighting in general, there's just so much to learn. I don't think you're ever done learning about lighting. You're always no. going to be learning. You always will learn you something. Will, well, and plus there's like five different ways or 10 or 100 that you could tackle one scene. Right. Yeah, I, I've definitely, I've, I've lit scenes one way and then I've had people on set like, well, we should do it like this. I'm like, well, I've never done it that way. Let's try it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I went on, I had a, I was a, a grip and a part-time gaffer on a shoot for one of my buddies and we had a ball just like we had three guys on set and like we were all like doing different techniques and like lighting up little spaces and things in, in like little intricate little spaces uniquely and it was so much fun i mean we spent i think we had like six five or six scenes and we spent like 10 or 12 hours filming those five or six scenes and it was just all spent time lighting each scenario you know, we get tighter shots and wider shots and how will we light it on the wider scale and how are you going to tight when you do a tight shot, how are we going to light it there? And I feel like I learned a lot of techniques there. And that's just been a, a just a collective effort of working with people and collaborating with people and then learning myself and trial and error, really. Um, so that would be number two would be just learning better lighting techniques and that there's there's more than one way to do it always. And you can always find a way around a problem that you might be having, I think. Yeah, uh, I and then no, Number three, I think, will be, I, I think you and I have talked about this before, but we both kind of suffer from gear acquisition syndrome is what I call it. Yeah. And, yeah. like, you always want the newest, best gear. Like, you want all the cool stuff. Like, it, it's inevitable. Like, you're always going to want it when it comes out. But I think what I've learned this year that's just, I, I focused a lot less this year about gear and more about the story and being involved with the characters. And I think that's, it's paid off because now I think as we're going, you know, through the post production of some of these, these projects, I really have, like, I can, I feel like I feel deeper with the characters than what we have before. And I think I've gotten better, you know, through the story and focusing more on the story, like that inevitably, I think it makes you a better interviewer 
when you're asking the questions and you can really dive deeper with the subject and, and pull more out of them if you need it. I feel like it's, it's given me the ability to do that. So like focusing less on the gear side of things and more just about the individual that you're telling the story about. Yeah, no, I think that's huge, man. I think, um, I think that some of the things you talked about, like with lighting, I'm going to mention that here in a second and, and about the gear acquisition syndrome and stuff like I can relate to a lot of that. I think that, um, I think that for me this past year, past couple of years, I've done a, a pretty decent job. I'm not saying I didn't buy stuff, but I did a pretty decent job of not like trying to replace things I had just for the sake of replacing it for the newer, biggest, better thing. Cause I, you could do that, man. You can get carried away with that. And technology is always coming Absolutely. out with something else. You know, they'll have the A1 Mark II and the A1 Mark III, and I'm sure I'll look at it and I'll be wanting to get it. But you have to remind yourself, like if your shop projects you're proud of today, with the gear you have today, that's not going to change just because something else comes out. You know what I mean? I think that that was definitely a big thing for me. Like looking back at past projects, there are past projects that I had done that I was really proud of that I did with minimal, minimal gear. Right. And totally. You know, if we went, th- we went through like what I use on some of the projects, we'd be like, wow, it turned out great. And there was just, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think too, because like it was minimally invasive too. For yeah. The, for the yeah, individual, when, when you're telling a, again, a lot of our stuff is campaign work, and I feel like we're always doing interviews and telling short stories and that kind of thing. Like, corp, like you know, commercial work, we don't do a ton of it, and I mean, I would like to do more of it, but being able to like being like is in like less invasive, the better. When you can get into those scenarios, like there are there's a time and place for sure like when you want to like get crazy with lighting setups and all those things but like when you can be like super minimal when you come in there and like you really just like can connect with with your individual i feel like that's a way to to really tell a nice story and and to get really uh intimate with the with your talent in that regard yeah i agree man i when i went to pakistan for my shoot i brought I think two cameras, three lenses, a tripod, and some mics. I don't think I brought anything else. It was like the most bare bones thing ever. But it, I was super freed up. It allowed me to move fast and just focus on documenting what was happening and trying to just tell a story as the the shoot unfolded. And minimally invasive was perfect. It's a great way to describe it because like we went into villages and stuff. I didn't even take my FS7 that I had at the time. I left it so that when I went in the villages, I just looked like I was taking some pictures and I got people to be a lot more relaxed. I didn't have a big camera in their face. I had a mirrorless camera with a mic on it and it, and it just totally relaxed people and allowed them to just like be themselves, which is what I wanted because I was trying to document, you know? So I I totally understand, totally understand where you're coming from there. So my three lessons would be number one is don't assume your clients know anything. Um, I put that down because I ran into the oddest thing I've ever ran into where uh, I had a client get a little, get their feathers a little ruffled because they couldn't believe that um, we weren't, we didn't have like, we weren't providing certain props or that we weren't, um, that we weren't going to be the ones in charge of getting access to some of their own buildings like that they had to provide access for us. Like, of course you have to provide access for us. It's your, it's your company, your buildings. Like, how are we supposed to get access? But anyway, they didn't, they just, this particular client, I don't want to say who it is, but this particular client just didn't seem to understand that they had 
to be involved in the project. They just felt like they could write a check and then we would deliver video, but we couldn't. We had to reach out to them to get access to some of their buildings or some of their props that were their props. Like, of course, we don't have your prop. Like, it's your business. These are your tools. Like, of course, you're the one who's going to have to provide that for us. And in the contract, it even said that. But, you know, you can't assume that your clients read that and fully understand it. They just check a box, say they read it, sign the contract, and that's it. So I guess my point is, is what I learned this past year, and it probably made more sense if I explained the job and the client, but I don't really want to do that. But the point is, is I learned this last year that you can't assume that your clients know anything. Like, don't assume that they understand that they're going to have to provide something for you or that they're going to have to... Uh, you know, be don't don't assume that they're they're going to understand they have to be involved in the project because they might just they might just assume that they're writing a check and they're they're hands off until it's done. But it's just not how it works. You know what I mean? It it's funny you say that because I ran into a very similar. Again, I won't name any names. We have a client. They're very similar to this, and like we even had them like express to us this is what they told us. You know, this is verbatim. Like. We hired you guys to create video. Isn't that just what you're going to do is just go make the video? And we're like, there's a lot more to it. So again, like you said, <laughs> you can't assume that clients know anything because if, if there's no like collaboration with the client whatsoever, we can't turn out an end product that means anything to you guys because we need like we need your heartbeat in this as well. Right. Well, you know, Andy, like, probably we can, like, like, how do you even know? You don't know their business. Exactly. And I think how that's can you a, market something problem. that you don't work for. Right. And I've run across that before, actually. And we've had clients come to us and say, like, you know, I, I, I'm trying to come up with an industry off the top of my head. But like, if you've never worked in, I don't know, oil and gas, any industry. Yeah. If you've never worked in oil and gas, they're like, we'll say, well, do you have any projects in oil and gas? And you're like, no, I don't. They're like, Oh, okay. Well, we, we want to work with someone that has done projects in oil and gas before. And it's like, well, you, you can't expect every video production agency to have worked within your, you know, specific industry and that knows exactly what you're talking about already. You can't assume that. And that's not fair either. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think for me <clears throat> and my, and I don't know, maybe clients won't like this, but moving forward, kind of what I took away from last year is, I'm going to be holding their hand so much and explaining every little fine thing to them because they, yeah, I just am not, I'm no longer going to assume that they understand it because I, it has been up to my, brought to my attention that sometimes they don't have as much common sense as I thought they might have. <laughs> um, number two is giving back to your customers goes a long way. I, uh, I did a bloopers reel for a client of mine at the end of the year for for their Christmas party, pro bono, um, just as like a thank you for all the work that they've given me over the last several years. And uh, and I, my, I paid my editor out of my own pocket to have it put together, and, and it cost me some money, but they totally appreciated it. They loved the video and uh, played it at their Christmas party, and everyone – Loved it, got a standing ovation out of it. I met I met a lot of people through it, and the client itself was the client was so appreciative that we made that for them that they were like already talking to us about their next projects. You know, just giving something back to to your customers after, if especially customers that have been with you for a long time, and like letting them know like, hey, like we did this for you because we appreciate you and we hope you enjoy it. Like it goes a long way. Um, I agree. That we we do. Go ahead. We do a very similar 
uh, we do a similar thing to that. Like, especially, like you said, the, the clients that have been loyal with you for a long time, we do the same thing. We'll, we'll give back, you know, it can just be a random gift. Sometimes we'll do Christmas gifts and we'll, we'll spend decent money on them. Most of the time we'll, we'll give them a really nice gift. And, you know, especially for like the people that have been with you throughout all the projects, we'll try to give them something back. You know, sometimes we'll do like a big print for them or something, or we'll do like mm-hmm. a unique photo and, like we have one client, they have a, a duck club and like we did a, a huge print of his dog for him and like brought him to tears when he saw it, like absolutely That's loved awesome. it. So like, That's again, awesome. like giving back to the client is a huge way to just show the small appreciation that you have that they've been loyal to you for so long. I agree, man. And then my last one is just, uh, it was similar to yours, just different ways, different ways to approach lighting. Uh, last year, I feel like I really put a ton of time, especially the first half of the year, into uh, rethinking about how I approach lighting and learning new techniques. And I, I can see in my videos a drastic difference. So that would be uh, my, my last one. So I'm right there with you on that. Um, looking forward to 2023, switching gears. What are three business goals you have for 2023? Well, if you're listening to this, I'm looking for an editor. <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> no, you gotta know I what you're doing, so, though. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm definitely gonna have to vet it. But um, <laughs> if if you're looking to scale business, like I was saying earlier, like you need to find a way to streamline a workflow. And if we're on location all the time, that means every other project gets put on hold. And yeah. number one, it's not really fair to other clients because mm-hmm. they're paying good money for you, you know, to produce whatever you're producing. But you know, number two, like I, we don't want to have a long turnaround time either. Like the last thing we want to do is just sit around and hold on to these projects forever. That it's not, it's not, I'm not interested in doing that at all. So I think number one would be like finding an editor, um, for us will be huge because it would just streamline the workflow and being able to like just hand over the footage once we're done with it and say, this is what we're looking to do. Have that kind of conversation of what we want to have completed would be great. Um, so that's number one for me. Uh, number two will be to work on more passion projects and not just clients work because it is so easy just to get really burnt out on doing client only work that I feel like I haven't truly done anything like in my own passion other than this, like taking a few photos here and there. I haven't done any video work that's been a passion project in years. Sure? And it's, it's, it's really draining because I want to have something that is just fun and I want to go do just because I want to go do it. And I don't want like no stipulations with it. Like, like no, no, like necessary, like we don't have to have X deliverables. Like we don't have to have this duration, like nothing. I want to just go make it just because I want to make it. No um, sponsors telling you they have to do exactly, something. Exactly. Right. Way. Yeah. <laughs> with the, with yeah. a client, you know, like, They'll say, well, we need it in this duration. We can't have it any longer. It's got to be this or shorter, you know, and and it's got to hit, you know, these 10 bullet points. We need to make sure we hit all those throughout the video. But they'll give us the creative freedom to go film it how we want to film it. But we still have to hit all those goals that they need throughout the video. So, I mean, it it definitely, like, you want to tell more intimate stories or different stories, but you can't because you got to make sure you're hitting the mark for them to be able to fund it, right? Sure. So I think, yeah, passion projects are huge. And then number three is I want to collaborate with creatives, with more creatives than what I have done in the past. And, you know, I feel like we, we do an okay job at it, but, like, we can always do better. And, I, you know, I, I always say, like, 
collaboration over competition. Like I think if you can open the door, like we can lock arms together in projects, we can create something way better than we probably could have ourselves anyways. You know, when you have, when you have more, we have more, you know, brains thinking towards the same end goal, we can come up with a really good, really good, uh, really good product at the end of the day. So I would say that that would be like my, my top three things for the business that I want to have for 2023. Yeah. I brought in this girl named Amanda to help me on the sorority project last year. And the whole reason I brought her in was just because I wanted to collaborate with her because I, she brings a different style and different techniques than what I normally would approach a project. And I just felt like, man, I'm going to bring her in and have her input on this project. And I know that it's going to cost me some money, but it's going to like together, we're going to create a better product. And we did like, she definitely, uh, her, her, the video definitely has a lot of her influence in it. And, and I'm really glad I did. That was a good move. Um, and then as far as the editing thing, yeah, finding an editor is going to be huge for you guys. I know that when I found mine a couple years back, it has completely changed my business has allowed me to really grow and take on new clients and, uh, be able to get things done way faster for people and just have a lot less stress. So yeah, that'll be massive for you, man. So mine are land more recurring contracts. Just want to have more recurring contracts, get more, more clients to go on, um, retainer or, or just get more contracts that are bringing, uh, an X amount of dollar every month. A lot of my work sometimes can be one-off projects where a client will hire us to do, you know, pretty good sized commercial project and we'll make good money off of it. But then once it's done, it's done, you know, and, and I, I want more repeat business where when it's done, it's not done. It's just done with that one. Now we've got a hundred more that we need to, we need to do. And that's what I'm looking for this year. That's my number one goal is more recurring contracts. I did get a couple recurring contracts already to, to start the year. And I just want, like, that is what my hundred percent of my focus is going toward this year is that, um, number two is dial in my remote uh, editing workflow with my editor. I want my editor and I to have like a really great remote working, uh, remote editing workflow. Right now, the way it works is I create a project folder and put all the assets and break it all down by like the different file types. And, you know, you've got like music and, and graphics and you know, your After Effects files or whatever, and and then all the footage and everything. And, and then I hand that drive off to him, and then I keep a copy, he has a copy, and then we pass back and forth Premiere Project files. This is what we've done in the past. And it has really worked worked for us. However, it requires me to drive to his house and drop off a drive and all this stuff. And I'm wanting to find a way moving this year to moving everything on to a cloud-based workflow where he works off of I give him a file structure, but I give it to him on Dropbox. I don't give him the original edit, the original video files. I give him proxies instead. He edits off the proxies, and then we work on a Resolve cloud-based project file back and forth, and I can literally click on the project at any time on my end and see what he's done. And then as soon as he's done with the project, I can export it from the original files instead of the proxies on my end, but never go to his house, never hand him a hard drive ever. We work remotely uh, from the cloud. And that's kind of what we're, I'm really wanting to do this year is dial that in uh, so we can work faster and more efficiently on projects. And then my last one is find a, a cloud solution for storing content online. Um, I, I, wanna, I wanna have all of my content 
everything. I've got like 80 or 90 terabytes, maybe more than that now, but I want to find a way to get it all online. I do pay for unlimited storage space with Dropbox, but getting it onto Dropbox is kind of a pain sometimes. So I'm wanting to find a really good solution where I can get things auto backed up to the cloud for uh, having a different place to store things in case my house ever burnt down i'd have everything in the cloud so that's kind of what i'm looking to do um did you so i've run into the same issue i think we've talked about this and maybe this will help someone else too so i've had the issue with dropbox when you're uploading a lot of files it'll just like pause in the middle yeah and then so it's it happened to me and then it just and it just stops and you're like what do you just stop what do yeah. i do now you gotta start over again yeah, and that's my problem with it. And so I found that Chrome has worked better for me. If I if I try drop uploading it via Chrome, like changing the browser seems to work better. But it's too much, man, because I have to keep doubling and triple checking and making sure that everything actually uploaded because sometimes it doesn't. And that just doesn't work. I uh, And we'll get to like our piece of equipment we want to buy. And I'll, I'll, I'll bring this back up when I get there. But I want a solution where it auto backs up in the cloud and I don't even have to think about it. And that's what I'm looking at and digging into this year. So yeah, that's great. On that note, what are three pieces of equipment you want to buy in 2023? Number one, I need a new MacBook. I, I've had the same MacBook since 20, let's see, 2015, I think I bought it. Uh, like February of 2015, I bought this laptop. And it was spec at the time, did everything mm-hmm. I needed to do. But it just, it cannot keep up with everything today i mean it, yeah mine was a 14 again, like and it was same thing fully specced out 14 year older but i get it man it was like just can't do it anymore right i mean it, it's done thus far i mean i've literally done hundreds of edits off of it and it's done a great job thus far it's made its money 10 times over but it just when i'm on the road now like i have a mac pro in the office but i can't take it with me right so when i go on the road there are downtimes where I could be editing a project or I could be 100%. going in and do, doing something to, you know, further the edit from where it's at, but my computer can't keep up. So now I'm just, I'm kind of at the mercy of the computer's ability. So number one would be a new MacBook. The new M2s look very appetizing. Uh, they do, especially much. with 96 gigs of unified memory. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> right. That's what I'm looking at. I'll probably end up purchasing one of those this year. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I mean, I, I struggle with two and three because, again, like, am I just acquiring things to just to acquire them? Like, I don't know. I, I want to make sure that, like, they are paying off in the long run for me and making sure they're a good business solution. But I rent a lot of gear. Like, we rent a lot of stuff. So, like, whether it be lenses or support or whatever, lights, we rent a lot of stuff. And for me, like, I have to use something recurring to make sure it's I can justify the price of buying it first. And so, like, number two, like, I, I really, oh, I've rented I guess, a bunch. Can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. Is go it ahead. Easy Rig? It is. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, that, I knew it. <laughs> that, that is the next one. Uh, that It would be MacBook number one. Number two would be Easy Rig. And Easy Rig for the, the simple fact, like, I've rented it so many times. And now I wish I would have just bought it to begin with because I've wasted my money essentially now because I've rented it enough. And mm-hmm. there are times where... Like we go on a shoot and it's like, I don't, I don't think I, like I'm not going to rent it for that shoot because I don't think we would use it. And then we get on there. And I'm like, oh, I really could have used an easy rig today. I think that would have been really nice to have for a different look, Dude, you know, or wh- yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So it's that's like the most clutch piece of equipment ever. It is. I mean, it's just taking all the weight off and then like being able to just really quickly move the camera around and have really nice control. Like, 
it is a, it's a great piece of equipment so that's that's definitely number two I'll, i'm and honestly i was just looking at them last night i'm probably just gonna buy one i might even buy it today i don't know we'll see um that's that's a big one for me and then number three like right now since we've picked up more photo work we've, we've picked up two photo campaigns now i'm gonna pick up an a1 because mm-hmm. the s3 is nice but it just when clients want to get larger prints and things like that done, I just want to have the ability to have a lot of megapixels for that purpose. And don't get me wrong. Like you can do amazing things with the a seven S three. It's a fantastic camera. I mean, I've had some big prints blown up of it in client offices and they're great, but like you just get more flexibility when you have more megapixels with the camera and the a one does everything really well, not only photos, but it also does video well. So it's also another backup or, primary, I should say, camera that I can use when I want to scale down from not a built up FX6. I can go down to a, you know, an A1 and take that and I'm going to get killer photo and video uh, mm-hmm. wherever I go and whatever that project might be. But another especially close one, can, especially putting the, the K3M on there too, helps right, open right. up even more doors. You know, I think the, another close one, like I, I really, it's, this one was, you said it was like one of your three favorite gear purchases from 22, but I was really looking at a 75. That's really been kind of at the top Heck of my yeah. list. That I've, I've been I wanting love one. It, man. So that's like, that one's a, a close fourth, but I would say a one's more important than that, but I would like to get a 75 for sure. Yeah. The, uh, on that list, I think the two things that stick out to me that you mentioned were the easy rig and the a one. So I love, I'm a huge A1 fan, love the A1. I use mine constantly. I used mine last night to uh, shoot photos of a uh, teenager who was vandalizing some concrete by my house. <laughs> and I got them on camera and, and uh, sent it over to the HOA. But <laughs> the 50 megapixels helped so I could crop in a lot. <laughs> but um, no, I, I love the A1, you'll love that. And then uh, I, what I meant, I, I said K3M, but what I meant was the FX3 top handle. The fact that you can put right. the FX3 top handle with the cage on, on an A1 so it's got three audio inputs plus it's a 50 megapixel stills camera and an 8K video camera. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, and, but the easy rig, yeah, you'll love that, man. That is one of my favorite pieces of equipment I own. Only reason I didn't put that on my, on my gear list is because I got it in 21, not 22. Otherwise I would have mentioned that earlier. Yeah. It's a, but. it's a great, like I said, I've rented it a few times now and it's been mm-hmm. great. And on every project that we've used it on, it's just, I, I want to own one for sure because there are times I just, I'm going to bring it on every shoot now because there are times yeah. where I'm like, we've done, uh, this this was actually for that uh, diesel film that I was talking about that we did. We actually, in two of the interviews, it was we did a handheld and a static, and the handheld would have been so nice to have an easy rig yep. versus literally yep. like physically holding it with like a, a strap crossbody, you know, like holding it out. Easy rig would have been clutch for that. And again, I didn't I didn't think it was going to be a project we needed for it. Uh, we needed it for rather, and it turned out it would be like it would have been the perfect project when we got there, and they. Like the situations we got put into, it was like, wow, Easy Rig would have been <laughs> a clutch for this shoot. Yeah, I use my Easy Rig way more than I use my gimbal, which is really interesting. A lot of people think gimbal this, gimbal that, but dude, give me my Easy Rig. <laughs> so my three pieces of equipment that I would mention are, um, so you mentioned the OWC Thunder Bay 860 terabyte RAID drive. Um, I, I want to buy build one of those this year. I originally wanted to build two this year, but I think I'm just going to build one this year and one next year. But I really want that. I'm, I'm like you. I'm sick and tired of having 20,000 
hard drives floating around my office, A's and B's of everything. One A, one B, thirteen A, thirteen B. You know, just goes on and on. Um, so the hundred sixty terabyte um, Thunder Bay Eight is 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 number one on my list for this year. Um, I'll fill probably sixty percent or so of it up when I first get it, um, and then I'll have to build another one eventually. But for for now, that'll that that's what I want to start with is the one this year. Number two is I want to if if Sony they're rumored to come out with a new sixteen to thirty five um, and a new eighty five G Master lenses and um, if they come out with either one of those I want to replace my current versions so. I have a 1635 G Master. I love it, but if they come out with a new one that has an external aperture ring, which I think they will, uh, then I want to swap mine out for that. Um, same thing, uh, the 85 G Master. I didn't buy it because it's an older lens. It's got a really slow autofocusing motor in it, and um, they're rumored to come out with a new one. So I have a 135. I would trade in my 135 for the new 85 when that comes out. And then if they come out with a new 100 to 400, I would do the same thing. So any of those three lenses that come out this year, I want to swap my current versions out for. And then um, next third on my list would be the Anton Bauer Titan base battery. I'll probably pick that up here in the next month or so. It's just a battery base plate that goes underneath your like mirrorless camera that can allow you to run DTAP to it to power the camera for a long period of time. Because I run a lot of 8K now on my Sony A1s, uh, they chew through batteries faster in 8K, and then also they generate heat faster. So um, when recording A1 for uh, on an A1 for a long period of time, I want to be able to set that on my tripod on that Titan battery base and power it externally through a dummy battery to take some of the heat out of the camera. Because my cameras don't overheat very often, but in 8K depending on the situation after like 30 anywhere for 30 minutes to like an hour and 20 minutes they can overheat so being able to uh, power it externally will take the overheating away from that and that's just for running 8k in the a1s for a long period of time and then i do have a, a bonus item uh kind of like you did but my bonus item will be a rycote windshield kit i really like to get one of those i have uh, a couple sennheiser mkh 8060 gun mics they're great for booming outdoors but I have furry windscreens for them, which is fine, but they aren't the best at protecting against wind outside the way an actual true wind shield is, which is like a cage you put your mic into, um, and then you put your windscreen on top of the cage, essentially, and that's what I would like to pick up this year. So you're talking like a blimp? The, for the basically mic? a blimp, yeah, basically a yeah. blimp. I didn't know if yeah, most people that's... knew what that was if I mentioned that on the podcast, so I just said windshield, so... Yeah, that's what I have for for our road. Is I yeah, use that you have outside. A bump, I yeah. the yeah. How about the right yeah. coat one? It's nice. It's really yeah. Nice. That's what I then, want. I don't have I don't have one yet, but I like to get it. Like the using the blimp works for majority of the stuff that we do, but then it also comes with like the furry windshield that goes around that as well. If it's really windy, yeah. And that's yeah. allowed us. You can shoot an interview in twenty mile an hour wind outside and you don't really don't have to worry about it. I mean, you'll occasionally exactly. hear the wind just kind of hiss you'll hear the wind kind of hissing past, but it doesn't mm. enter the mic and give you that low rumble or anything like that. You don't ever hear the yep. wind like hitting actual yep. mic itself. So yeah, I'd, I'd I highly recommend that one. That's a great purchase. 
Yeah, I only reason I don't have one yet is because between the MKH 80s, 60s, 50s, or 40s, I've spent so much freaking money on the mics themselves that I haven't had the six or seven hundred dollars it costs to get the windshield kit yet. But that's on my my uh, plan this year. But um, but yeah, for those of you who don't know who, who don't know what a blimp is, it's just essentially like a, it's all it's like a housing your mic goes in, and it sits inside the housing, and then you can and then you can create space between the mic essentially and the windscreen, if that makes sense. But um, what are to wrap this up? Last thing, what are three things you want to learn in twenty twenty three? Number one, I, I'm sure you could probably guess this one as well. Yeah, we take a stab I'll take at a it. Guess if DaVinci Resolve. You got it. Okay. <laughs> That's number one. I I am ready to part ways with Premiere Pro for so many reasons, but number one reason is just it is so slow. Yeah, and I mean, I'll I'll be the first to say like my computer's fast. I have a fast computer. Like my Mac Pro is really fast. It does it doesn't lack anything right now, and it should have the ability to do anything and everything I ever want to do. But Premiere has progressively, over the like the past year, has been progressively getting absolutely terribly slow. And I mean, it's even to the point where, like, I'm, I'm even okay with doing proxy workflows if I have to. Like, that's okay. It doesn't bother me any. Like, drone stuff, I've always done proxies on drones and that kind of thing. But, like, it's to the point now that I can't get anything. Even with proxies, I can't get things to play back in Premiere yeah, real time. Yeah, it's ridiculous, man even having to render things like that is just that's unacceptable yeah absolutely unacceptable um so anyway yeah number one would be learning resolve you know i would like to go there yeah to go there with all my edits now would be great and would just come up with a really efficient workflow again that comes back to streamlining workflows and getting better at at editing and faster at those kind of things like there's that's really one i've been trying to work towards is just streamlining my workflows and we were talking about business goals for 23 and that was a, a close one as well i wrote down a number four that was just streamlining workflows even further and resolve is definitely a part of that for me um and also like within resolve you know it would be like i just want to get like i i drool over like watching like really good colorists color things i absolutely love watching people color things and like why they do what they do and how they do what they do and I have I've watched so many videos on coloring, and I just I want to implement more of that into my work, like really getting into color more. I really want to dive more into color, and that kind of goes into Resolve as well because it's all within Resolve. Um, but those are really kind of two separate goals: Resolve number one for editing, and then Resolve number two for color grading aspect of things. Okay. Um, but then my third one would be to kind of like you and I have talked about prior, and being able to like not. Like if I have an editor, I think it's going to be nice, but like not having to like have control over every single little tiny thing, you know, yeah. like giving up a little bit of control for the greater good to get projects done and yeah. get them completed in a, in a faster turnaround yeah. than what I currently Perfection do. is the enemy of success, man. Absolutely. Sometimes you have to relinquish a little control. And if, you, if you're going to hire in an editor, you'll learn just like I did, man, that you have to give them some freedom to be a little different than you and learn that that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one for me. Like if I can if I can relinquish a little bit of control just for the greater good, I'm I'm happy to do that. You know, because inevitably it's going to take more stress off of my life. Yes. <laughs> and it will it will extend my life because I won't have so much stress on myself. <laughs> yeah, make you feel like uh like your, your hair is not falling out. Right. 
Yeah, man. So my number one is similar to yours. So my, my number one is resolve. And within that, I put also fair light and fusion, which are the graphics and audio programs that are built into resolve. I've already started resolve. I switched. I'm done. I just finished my last edit yesterday in premiere. I've already cut three projects in resolve and I'm, I'm full blown in it. I love it. It's so much better and faster in premiere premiere. I'm just sick and tired of being slow and boggy. Same thing with, with uh, After Effects. I love Resolve, being able to color and cut and grade and do your graphics and your audio all in one place with amazing performance. It's it's just awesome. But I want to learn more about it. Um, I actually called Blackmagic yesterday. I was on the phone with them for like 30 minutes asking them some questions about some things and that they help me understand workflow questions. And their customer service is amazing. So it's been kind of already helping me learn it. I feel pretty comfortable in it already, but there's a lot to learn. It's a big program. And we spent 10 plus years in Premiere. Uh, Of course, it's going to take you a while to get that comfortable in a new software. Um, But I want to learn it inside and out. Same thing with Fairlight and Fusion. Um, I I knew enough to be dangerous in After Effects, but like my my graph, my, my editor is so advanced in graphics. I would like to get like 50% of where he is or 25% because he's way above where I ever was in After Effects. So I want to learn more about that in the Fusion page of Resolve and same with Fusion, uh, same with Fairlight. I want to get even better at my audio editing. So all of that is within the Resolve program. That's my number one. Number two is I want to master my DJI RS3 Pro gimbal. I had a Movi for a long time and I was really good with my Movi. Well, you and I have talked about this. My RS3 Pro, for some reason, is just not as intuitive. It's a great gimbal, but my Movi, like once it was balanced and I had my settings dialed in, like I could just go and shoot with it. I don't feel the same way with the DJI gimbals. For whatever reason, it's they're, they're more like computerized and they have to like think about shots and that bothers me. But I know that people are really good with them. So my approach coming from the Movi is probably just different, but I want to learn how to master the RS3 Pro so I, I can get really fluid with it. I don't do a ton of gimbal work in my work, but I do have some clients that specifically ask me to bring it and use it for certain shots, especially other production houses. And I want to be able to give them results that I am really proud of. And right now I'm not. I was when I had my, my Movi, but right now... I give in shots that I'm like, man, I just don't like that. And so I want to, I want to dial that in this year. And then lastly is better time management with another baby on the way. I need to have really great time management. I think working late at night and putting in all these crazy hours because sometimes it's my fault. I put in crazy hours because I'll get down a, a rabbit hole of watching YouTube on how to do something that I probably don't need to know how to do that day, but I just get interested in it. And I end up having to work late because I spent time during the day doing that. Well, that's affecting my family time. And my wife needs me. You know, our, our 15-month-old son is, you know, it takes a lot to raise a kid. And he's a blast. And and she needs help with him. And he needs me anyway. And we got another baby on the way that's only going to take up even more of my time. So my time management this year needs to be very, very, very dialed in. So when I get on work, I'm I'm not on, I I I'm focused on work, and when I get off at five, I'm off and I'm done, and I'm home and I'm with my family, and that is number probably mine. It should have honestly, I should have put that number one because that really and truly is like my number one thing I want to learn this year is better time management. That's a that's an excellent thought because I think last year I was telling you about last year that's that was really my goal 
And my goal was I, I really don't want to have to, like, oftentimes prior to 22, I would just, like, again, I'd be the same way. I would get, like, down a rabbit hole of something I shouldn't be down a rabbit hole of. And I still do that today. I'm not great at it today, let's be oh, honest. Oh, dude, I'll but, probably do it when we get off the podcast. I'm terrible about it. <laughs> like, there are times that I would do that. And I feel like, you know, starting 22, I was really good about my time management because I, I was my, because like we will like give ourselves words to like my wife and I will do that. And like, you know, how would you define your, your year this year? What are you looking forward to? And it was more like intentionality with spending time with her. And it was like, so that means you have to be on point with, yeah. you know, with your work and, and making sure you're really efficient when you are doing it. And oftentimes that would put me behind uh, on my projects because I would be like, okay, well, five o'clock, five o'clock, she's off, I'm off. I've had from seven thirty in the morning until five p.m. I should be getting things done. Like that's a long time. Yeah. But then you get down a rabbit hole and you're like looking at your camera gear and you're like, how can I build this differently? And like you spend three hours researching ideas and how you can do something differently. It's like hundred percent. I don't have a sh- I don't have a shoot for another three weeks. Why am I doing that right now? Like it's not that's not important. I can do that another time. You know, I get down those rabbit holes. But I agree. Like that's a huge one. I and that's. I mean, that's not, you know, something I want to get better. Like, it's all, I'm always going to be getting better at it. You're never going to, I don't think anyone's ever going to be great at it, but that's definitely on my list always and forever will be time management and making sure that I'm efficient with the time that I am working on projects. Yeah, I think, I think it's only fair to yourself, to your family, um, and, and, and to, you know, to God and to everything in your life that you have to have good time management. Because if you get so caught up down these rabbit trails that we creatives sometimes tend to go down because it's in our nature. You you end up not paying attention to everything else that's going on around you. And that's not a good place to be. So for me, and that's not a bad thing to go down those rabbit trails. I mean, that's how we learn, but you need to do it in, in portions and, and not, not let that eat into your time the way that I sometimes do. So that, yeah, man, that wraps this up, man. Any, uh, any last thoughts or comments? Nothing I can think of. It's been fun. It was fun, fun to go man. through. Yeah, looking past, you know, looking over last year and looking forward to this year. And this gives me something to hold myself a bit accountable. You know, I can look at, I can listen back to this podcast and make how well did I do on the, the things I want to do this year. Listen to the <clears> podcast <throat> when you should be editing. Exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll be poor at time management. <laughs> and it's not till the end of the podcast either. You'll get to the very end and you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Time management. <laughs> Well, guys, we appreciate you listening in today. Um, again, if you are new to Filming with Josh, go to Facebook, type in with Filming with Josh and ask to join the group today. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, and if you like it, rate it. Kyle, thanks for uh, jumping on today. It's been a pleasure. I think it's like your third or fourth time on the podcast. I'm sure you'll be on again when we both decide to uh, leave Resolve for some reason down the road. Now I'm just playing. But uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. Absolutely. It's been a blast. Thanks again, buddy. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Talk to you later. See ya. See ya. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today.